Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and the Times. Know your times. I'm delighted to say we have now got the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, on the line. Good morning to you. How are you? Very well indeed. Probably a little bit better I mean, than normally you. That's a, normally people just say that as a sort of politeness, but uh, I really mean it. How are you? How are you? I'm, I'm fine. I've still got whatever it is. Unfortunately, I'm not the Health Secretary, so I can't get tested to find out if I have had the virus or not. But let's talk about all of that. Now you are back at work. Um, yesterday, you promised to deliver 100,000 tests a day by the end of April. Uh, a lot of people being giving you a lot of praise over that four weeks' time. Are, how confident are you? What percentage confidence have you got that you're going to deliver those tests? And how are you going to do it? Well, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. It's so 100% so confident? Well, there's a massive amount of work to do. There's uh, a lot of uncertainties. Uh, and I'm asking people to do things that they haven't done before. But we made that call and that request on uh, ventilators, for instance, uh, and companies that have never made ventilators are now making ventilators. Uh, and um, we asked the NHS to build a hospital in, in nine days with the help of the military, and they'd never done that before, and they stepped up to the plate. So now it's time for the life sciences industry to step up to the plate too and do everything that they possibly can. Uh, and um, I think as a nation we can do this. You think as a nation we can do this. What percentage chance do you think you're going to deliver this? Well, I'm not going to put a figure on it because we've got to. That's 100% then, isn't it? Well, it's, uh, I'm determined. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about why we haven't been in this situation, uh, able to deliver these sort of level of tests until now. Was it actually, even though it wasn't perhaps explained to us as the, the general public, was it actually a lower priority because the NHS needed other things more urgently to save lives, about getting more beds, building the Excel centre, the ventilators, getting more staff available, more uh, PPE equipment, more oxygen? Was it actually the case that it, it was not a priority to do the testing and that's why you did not do it, but you just didn't tell the public that? Uh, no, I think that's a bit uh, unfair on my team that have been ramping up testing over the last couple of months. You know, we were one of the first countries in the world to develop a test. Uh, we, we set a goal of 10,000 tests a day by the end of March and we hit it. We clearly need to ramp that up now. And um, so the goal that we set them uh, to get to 10,000, uh, you know, they've met that they met that goal. Um, and uh, it's, it's just that, you know, we started this as a country. 
without a very big diagnostics industry. We're not like uh, Germany, which is the European headquarters of, of, of diagnostics. We're more like uh, France. We're ahead of France in terms of the number of tests. Um, but, um, uh, but we, like they, didn't start with a big diagnostics industry. So we've got to build one. Um, now, Germany uh, has currently got a lower death rate, but we spoke to a German epidemiologist yesterday who said that he thought that the German death rate would end up being similar to that of UK and France, in which case, despite all their testing, is there any evidence that that is actually going to help us out of this crisis? Is it going to save any lives? Well, the testing is very, very important for some patients, and I'm glad to say that every patient that's needed a test has always had one. Um, and it's very important for getting staff back to the front line. And the most important thing for the controlling the disease is obviously the social distancing. That that uh, that I'm just unbelievably proud of the British people for their social distancing. Every, uh, the, the number of people who are flouting the rules is tiny, um, and, um, and and that's very important. So um, the, the testing, though is obviously a one concrete one critical component but it is one part of our overall battle plan well in, well indeed and you talk about the social distancing people flouting the rules front of the telegraph today has says that uh, uh, police are being advised that parents should be fined if their children breach the lockdown teenagers apparently those one of the most groups who are troubling uh, the police in terms of being out and about on the streets do you think parents should be fined in those circumstances well i'm going to leave that important question to my friend pretty patel uh, the uh, who is responsible for the police. Uh, what okay. I say is that I think the police have, have done a very, very good job uh, in uh, when these are brand new, massive, brand new rules to get to police them uh, in such a short period of time. I know there have been some, uh, you know, there have been some uh, critiques of some of the particular police uh, tactics, but I, I think some of those stories were overblown. Um, can I ask you about something that's very much within your remit? You are Health and Social Care uh, Secretary. Yeah. Um, I'm, and yeah. I know a lot of people are going to be in this situation right now. We know you're trying to ramp up the testing and you know, we're all on the side of the government. We all want the government to do well here. Um, I, like an awful lot of people, have an elderly relative, an elderly aunt who's in a care home. Yesterday we discovered that the care home has 11 suspected cases of COVID-19. Temperatures are taken three times a day. Uh, they have yeah. been given no antigen tests. They have been told there are no tests available for staff or for residents. Uh, and that there won't be any in the near future. Um, we are talking about people in their 80s and 90s who are very likely to get very sick, very likely to die, and they're not being able to get tests. Surely, care home staff and, uh, and residents should be a priority, should they not, to get those tests? Well, well, of course. Uh, and this is another reason that the ramp-up in testing is so important. Um, but if they need, if the, if the residents need a test for clinical reasons, um, so that they can get the right course of treatment, then they will get one. And that is a judgment for the, uh, for the NHS to make on the ground. And that's, in a way, you've explained why I've always had patients as the top priority for access to tests, even though there's been an understandable clamour for health and social care staff to get access to the test so they can get back to work. But, but you've got to have patients first because, um, because that could be a life or death uh, decision. Now, I want testing to be rolled out more uh, widely, and that's one of the reasons why I, I, uh, I, uh, we're okay. ramping it up. But so there much. can be no scenario where people in their 80s and 90s in a care home who've got a temperature, who are likely to have coronavirus, don't get hold of an antigen test to find out if they've got it and whether they need treatment. In what, I mean, there can be no scenario where that is acceptable, surely. 
Well, that is a clinical judgment, and that has, that has to be made by doctors according to each individual case as they see it. Okay. All right. Uh, let me also ask you about the Premiership football players you mentioned yesterday. Oh, yeah. Press conference, you were asked about whether or not they should take pay cuts of yeah. 25%. Um, why pick on Premiership football players of all the people who earn a lot of money in this country? Well, I was asked about Premiership football players, and um, I think that given the extraordinary sacrifices that so many people are making, I think the least that the Premiership football players could do uh, is, is donate some of their very large salaries to, to others. Uh, for instance, I'm responsible for the, uh, for the hospices of this country, and hospices have found it far harder to do fundraising uh, because of the social distancing measures. So uh, why don't the Premiership footballers uh, make a donation of a large part of their salary? Well, that's a very different point from them being asked... That's a different point from them being asked to take a pay cut, isn't it? You suggested they should take a pay cut of 25% well, one, while other staff are, are furloughed out. You're right. saying they should take the pay but donate it to charity. One, one way or the other, I think they should do their part. OK. Let me also ask you, um, you've been unwell with coronavirus. Uh, a lot of people were saying you were looking a little bit peaky before you did actually announce you tested positive and had to go into isolation. We've seen some, a couple of videos of the Prime Minister Boris Johnson while he's been in isolation in Downing Street. Um, how poorly is he and how involved is he in the day-to-day running of the battle against coronavirus? Yeah, he's, he's on the mend, but he's clearly, um, uh, you know, not like me. I'm luckily fully recovered. I think I, start, I got it a bit earlier than him. Um, and but he's been heavily involved every day. He's been involved. I've been talking to him on on the uh, on the screen rather than in person. Uh, so he's continued to work through it. He's uh, battling valiantly on. Uh, and uh, I hope I'm sure we all hope that he gets well soon. OK, well, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Glad you are well and back at work. Health Secretary Matt Hancock there. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. It's 9.20. Thank you so much for your company this morning. Day 11 of lockdown. Uh, right now, our regular item on, uh, well, getting your medical questions to the medics. So many questions that so many of us still have uh, about uh, this coronavirus outbreak and what to do about it, when to get tested, what we should be doing to help ourselves, save our, our own families' uh, lives and our health. And I'm delighted to say we're joined once again by Dr. Lawrence Buckman. He's a former chair of the British Medical Association's GPs Committee. And he was a retired North London GP, but now... He's back at work on the front line as part of those uh, many uh, heroes who've gone back to uh, help uh, keep us safe during this uh, pandemic. Good morning to you once again, Dr. Buckman. Good morning. Lovely to speak to you. We've got a caller in just a few moments. But um, uh, first of all, I just want to uh, ask you uh, a question from Glenn, who says, why is diabetes not a stay-at-home measurement by the government? Because a lot of people have been told the people who really need to stay at home um, and that diabetes is not on that list. Most diabetics, if they look after themselves properly, are only at slightly increased risk uh, compared to ordinary people. So they don't have to stay at home uh, in, in, in complete isolation. The people who are at risk are unstable diabetics, people who haven't, either who haven't looked after themselves properly or who don't take their pills or whose diabetes, despite the best care, is not under good control. Those people need to be isolated. Um, in relative terms, there are a fairly small percentage of all diabetics. Diabetes is a very common problem, uh, and uh, um, most diabetics are not at greatly increased risk. Well, that's, uh, that's uh, certainly encouraging, isn't it? Uh, a questioner from Simon who says, my partner had chemotherapy some years ago. Does the immune system fully recover? And based on this, what is the vulnerability to the virus against uh, uh, the next 64-year-old? A, it depends how long ago the chemotherapy was. If the chemotherapy was within the last year, uh, then your immunity is definitely not normal. Okay, so the Simon says some years ago, so right. uh, hopefully uh, there was some probably, recovery. Probably relatively safe. Your immunity does recover. It doesn't always recover 100%, but it does recover. But you would still do well to be very, very careful who you bumped into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go to a caller now. Richard is in Newbury. Good morning to you, Richard. What's your question for Lawrence Buckman? Oh, hi, Julia. I'm, I simply want to ask, if you've had the virus like you've had, does that give you immunity from getting the virus again? And if so, how long for? And if that is the case, why are we not sending people back to work like Julia um, to do their normal jobs? Because they're not, not going to give the virus to anyone and they're not going to contract it. Lawrence, of course, here is the case. You know, I, I came down ill on the 16th of March. I don't know if I've had coronavirus or just another nasty bug. I just don't know. I haven't been able to get a test. So, right. oh, but if I, if I were able to get the test, the, would, would I find that I am now immune? 
The only test that can tell you you're safe to go back to work would be a reliable antibody test that could prove beyond all doubt that you were immune. And there's several questions there. Firstly, what is immunity? How long do you stay immune for? We know on all the other coronaviruses, there's a range of immunities from lifelong to a few months. And we've no idea what the immunity to coronavirus looks like. Um, I'm a, I think it's reasonable to assume it's three or four months at least. So the question is, are you immune? And for that, we need antibody testing. There was quite sad news today. They've tested 20 or so antibody uh, kits, and none of them yet are reliable enough to roll out. And that doesn't, that doesn't amaze me. Uh, that's the nature of uh, rapid uh, evaluation of, of tests. Once an antibody test is reliable, then they're clearly not going to try it out <clears throat> on broadcasters first. <laughs> but they will eventually get round to them. And once you've been tested and are antibody positive, then, of course, you can go back to work and you can't get it. Yeah, I mean, Gakki, we all know who the people are in priorities. I, I must ask a question which I put to Matt Hancock, the health secretary, when we spoke to him about an hour ago, and that's uh, why people in care homes are not getting tested. I, as I put it to him, I discovered yesterday I've got an elderly aunt, uh, 78 years old, who's actually got immune uh, problems herself in a care home. Lots of the people in her care home, I go every week uh, in their 80s and 90s, very vulnerable. They've had now 11 suspected cases. Uh, they think it's been brought in by uh, the, the care workers, obviously through no fault of their own. They're unable to get any testing for uh, those patients who got uh, the cases or indeed the staff uh, and we're told this is based on clinical need but surely care home residents in elderly care home residents and care home staff should be an absolute priority i think they're the next priority after um, nhs patients and nhs workers actually on the front line they would be the next group to be tested but the fact is while he's busy increasing the number of tests the number is not yet at a level that you could roll it out to care homes. They would certainly be the next group to test. Okay. Uh, now, a question from Tolly, and this is something I saw last night as well. Tolly says, I've read that the BCG vaccination may offer protection against the virus. Is there any truth in that? Yes and no. Uh, if you've recently had a BCG injection, your general immunity levels rise. So, in theory, it ought to make some difference but that actually the answer is we've no, not the faintest idea whether it would make a difference or not and if so how much and I certainly wouldn't go and have another BCG if I didn't need it um, because uh, uh, it's, it can be it can cause complications uh, I certainly had a second BCG um, uh, many years ago now and I had an enormous number of complications from the second BCG so you should not go and get another one there is not good enough evidence that it works other than the theory okay but there, there, well, there has been again this theory that they're looking at the, the possibility that it might protect because they think that if you're an older person, the people, the, the people who are, are dying of, uh, of uh, COVID are less likely, it appears, to be some correlation uh, to die uh, if they uh, have uh, had the BCG uh, vaccination. And interestingly, the America and Italy uh, are two of the countries that haven't had a, a universal BCG test, um, vaccination policy, and they are seeing some of the highest death tolls, which they think there may be possible correlation possible causation they just don't know which right now yes it's certainly it's certainly theoretically possible that bcg would give you some protection it's protection against all viral illnesses it's not it's not just covid19 no. it okay. alters your immune status um, let's question from Alison now, who says uh, her wife is a frontline worker in the NHS and she's worried about contracting something from her. She says we're sleeping in separate beds and trying where possible to socially distance at home. But is there anything else that she can do? No. 
Um, That's it. It's the person you live with. Uh, and there's not much you can do. You can, of course, sleep in separate beds, no skin-to-skin skin contact, no coughing over each other or breathing over each other. But, of course, you were doing that before you realised the risk. Yeah. So the answer is you just um, maintain a reasonable distance uh, as much as you can in one house uh, and hope that, that uh, scrupulous hygiene at work means that the person working in the NHS doesn't bring it back to their partner. Yeah, indeed, because again, you're, you're going to be touching every surface, aren't you? You turn the tap on in the, the sink. Yeah, you uh, pick cannot up the sterilise the world. You yeah. cannot sterilise your entire environment. I am not spraying down my house with disinfectant inside so that I and my wife don't affect each other. I mean, you just can't live like that. And indeed, it would be totally inappropriate for, for this is a third hand contact. So really, I would have said I would have said you just grit your teeth and hope that the hygiene measures at the place where the partner works is, is, is yeah. good enough. That, that's a key thing. Uh, Laura has uh, tweeted in to ask. Uh, she says, uh, I work in a supermarket, but I live with a high risk person. Her grandma is over 75 and has health issues. She says, I've been forced to take 12 weeks off in isolation. Is this the correct decision? I think uh, it's probably reasonable if you're very public facing to stay away from work. Now, the only question is whether you could be redeployed to do things that aren't public facing or whether you could be protected. But realistically, the amount of protection you'd need to avoid carrying something back from the public in a shop, if you really are close to the public, I think the risk is quite high. And if grandma is a really big risk, then I would stay off work. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for people. I have to say, it does seem to me that uh, uh, the, yeah, the supermarket workers are perhaps uh, some of the greatest at risk. Uh, finally, uh, Sue asks, I've lost my sense of taste and smell, but no other symptoms. And I feel like myself. Should I be isolating? And is, there an, is this now an officially registered symptom yet? Not yet. Um, I think it's likely to be, but not yet. Just remember... The common cold, which is also a coronavirus, of course, yeah. the common cold causes loss of smell and taste uh, in many people. So you can't draw a definite conclusion, but it is looking likely that it will become one of the key symptoms along with, uh, uh, along with a continuous new cough and a high fever. But if you've had no fever and no cough and all you've got is lost your sense of smell, then I'd put you on the list of people who need an antibody test when they're rolled out to the community. And, of course, when they're rolled out, again, it has to be 28 days now, we discover. I think a lot of people thought it was 14 days after people had symptoms. 28 days now seems to be at the time. Uh, thank you so much for answering all those questions. Dr. Lawrence Buckman uh, is a North London GP. Uh, really appreciate you answering those. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Let's turn our attention to the very sad news. And we are going to, I think we're going to see an awful lot of these uh, very sad news. Obviously, every single death from coronavirus is an absolute tragedy, uh, particularly when we've seen some very uh, young people dying as well, particularly uh, traumatic. But uh, yeah, yesterday we learned the news that uh, Eddie Large, one half of the comedy duo Little and Large, uh, had died. Uh, David Spencer has taken a look back at his life. What have you got behind your back? A big fat bum, what have you? <laughs> The Little and Large show was watched by millions in its heyday of the 1970s and 80s. The pair were renowned for their mickey-taking, mainly Eddie poking fun at partner Sid Little. Do you remember your first day at school? No, I don't. That's because you never went. After forming the partnership in 1963, they went on to win the TV talent show Opportunity Knox, becoming staples of light entertainment for 20 years. Anton Deck said today Eddie just loved making people laugh, 
while his peer, Russ Abbott, said Eddie was one of the best, totally and naturally funny. Well, that was David Spencer looking back at uh, at uh, Eddie Lodge's life. Well, well, let's look back a little bit more and more personal take with Tommy Cannon. He was a longtime friend of Eddie Lodge. Of course, you'll know him as one half of the, another major comedy duo of the same time. Cannon and Ball, good morning to you, Tommy. I'm so sorry for you losing your friend. Uh, it's a sad time. It's a sad time. He's, uh, he'll be a great loss to show business. Love. He was a, a lovely man. Loved him to bits. Well, this is it. We often don't get to see what comedians are like behind the scenes. But again, I think for particularly for young people now who you know who, who watch, you know, that they're seeing a comedian on Netflix or or something on YouTube, it's difficult for them to grasp that uh, uh, the comedians, you know, like like you, you know, Cannon and Ball and Little and Large and others, you know, Morecambe and Wise, all the greats that you know, you just dominated television in the seventies and eighties, and and everybody, millions and millions of people were all watching the same show on a Saturday night and seeing the same comedian and laughing at their jokes together. And, and Eddie Lodge, you know, like Cannonball, you're, you're really much a, a part of, of, certainly of my childhood. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, we were, I mean, we, we even worked on, the first time we saw um, Eddie and Sid was in a, uh, we were on the same bill as them uh, in, in Buxton, I mean, in, way back um and um we were we went on first because they were top of the bill and you know i remember bob saying to me we watched a bit of their act and we we were just singers i mean we sang for the first 12 years of our career and um bob said to me he said do you think we should do a bit of that i said are you kidding me i said that's frightened me to death and um (laughs) that's that's when we first saw them you know and and Eddie was Eddie was um, a lovable lad, and well, and Sid as well. God bless him. Uh, but we 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 sort of crossed paths, you know, on certain runs up and down the motorways and stuff like that. And we used to meet up, and uh, Eddie used to play um, a lot of golf, like me. We used to play in all these sort of charity games, you know. Um, and um, I spoke to last time I spoke to Eddie. He was he wasn't very well. He had to go, I think, back into hospital, and he came home. and uh, I think they'd fitted him with a pacemaker, and he said uh, he was doing all right. He was feeling okay. So when I um, when I heard that he passed away, I, I was in total shock. Yeah, I bet you were. I mean, his son, Ryan, uh, at at McGuinness, posted on Facebook, it is with great sadness that mum and I need to announce that my dad passed away in the early hours of this morning. He has been suffering from heart failure and unfortunately, whilst in hospital, contracted coronavirus, which his heart was sadly not strong enough to fight. Dad fought bravely for so long due to this horrible disease. We had been unable to visit him at the hospital, but all of the family and close friends spoke to him every day. We will miss him terribly and are so proud of everything he's achieved in his career with Sid and know that he was much loved by the millions that watched him every week. I mean, lots of the other tributes have been paid by, uh, you know, top comedians over the years. I mean, Russ Abbott, uh, Lenny Henry, um, Anton Deck, Matt Lucas, and others. Um, very, you know, echoing what you had to say that you know, not only highly respected in the in, in the comed- comic community, but also uh, much loved as well. Um, it must be strange actually because you know, you guys. <laughs> again, I'm going to be insulting you again. You've been around for so long. <laughs> it's great. It's it's wonderful. You know, it's still so you know so so. so, so I mean, Etched, etched into people's hearts and, and minds for so long. Um, but it's interesting that you, you know, you you were both sort of, you know, comrades, but all and companions. But also, you were also competitors as well, weren't you? Well, yeah, of course we were. I mean, it was one, you know. I mean, 
I don't know. Today, for some strange reason, there doesn't seem to be too many double acts around. Um, but in, in our day, they were. They just seemed to be um, there all the time. I remember seeing um, Eddie and Sid on uh, on TV, and I thought, oh, fantastic. What a great act. How good. I'm so pleased for him. You know what I mean? But deep down, I was thinking to myself, hmm, maybe we should be on there as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's always going to be the case, isn't it? Um, of course it is. But God bless him, you know, um, Rest in peace, lad, because uh, we love you to bits. Oh, that's absolutely lovely. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. So really for your loss. Tommy Cannon there, of course, one half of Cannon and Ball paying tribute to Eddie Large. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley-Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.